passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And I came out here tonight to show you the respect. But no, I also wished that there was a little bit left of my best friend inside of whatever this has become. So you know what? Congratulations, champ. I just want you to call me queen. <laughs> Bitch. Charlotte Flair heard enough from Becky. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. 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 Welcome, everybody, to Rewind to SmackDown. I am John Pollock. And I'm very happy to be joined by Wei Ting tonight. How are you, Wei? I'm alive and well. That's great. I'm, I'm always glad to hear your voice and and to chat SmackDown with you, which we're going to get into. Uh, lots to discuss. We are going to be going through SmackDown. And this slipped my mind tonight, the return of the Mixed Match Challenge, which, Wei, you sat through, you watched. And I believe as we're speaking now... That audience in Tulsa is probably sitting through the 205 Live condensed version as we speak. Oh, so they they ended up not taping it before? I don't think they did. Because this year, the Mixed Match Challenge is actually two matches. So I don't see how they would film a full whole hour of 205 Live after it. If I mean, unless they're planning to ask people to sit through it for that long. Well, if I uh, see an update here, I the doors were supposed to open... 30 minutes before SmackDown went live. So I don't think that they were changing it to before. Okay. It looks like they did tape before. Oh. Um, well, it was TJP versus Lindsay Dorado and Cedric Alexander versus Drew Gulak. Well, maybe they adjusted things. Because I went to yeah. look at the arena website today and they had the doors listed as... Uh, sorry. The doors were earlier and then the show was supposed to start... Uh, 30 minutes before. So I guess they could have just extended that to get in. How many matches were there? Two? Two matches, yes. Okay. So, I mean, really, realistically, we're looking at probably, you know, 20 minutes of match time tops. So that's smart. It's smarter to do it before than after. Could you imagine? Well, you can discuss the mixed match challenge, but then sitting through two more matches after that. Yeah, I think it makes sense considering that they want to seemingly extend the mixed match challenge this year to two matches per episode. You... It's way too much to ask somebody to... I mean, it's way too much to ask for a viewer to sit through all that content. So I think this was probably the best move. I mean, that show should be 30 minutes tops anyway. Mixed Match Challenge or 205? 205 Live. You can argue maybe all of them, but yeah, sure. Absolutely. I don't think we need every show to be 
55 minutes of runtime, of which that really doesn't account for much commercial time at all. You might get a few promos in there. Like, that's that's 55 minutes, which if that were on a conventional network, that would be a 90-minute slot it would be placed in. My guess is that they it, maybe it's just easier for them to uh, slot into the, the network schedule. I don't know. Um, I, maybe they just have, like, a roster of guys that they want to, you know, feature um, on 205 Live and... Half an hour might not be enough. I mean, that's barely enough for one match, I guess. Isn't Maybe it? they should just buy a building or put a camera up in the performance center, and it's just always on the network. The network just runs matches nonstop. That'd it's just 24-7 WWE network. Like, so I could see people train. I could see, like, um, Matt Riddle down there do push-ups. They, they do have that capability where in Stanford, they can just flip on the cameras and watch people in the performance center. Yeah. It is the closest we have to uh, Truman Show. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You're it's always the, being watched in Hunter's room. It's the performance center. Uh, everyone's, you know, cameras are on. So we'll get into SmackDown and the Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, here at PostWrestling.com, want to make mention of some shows that we have coming up. Uh, of course, if you're listening to this, we are going to have the double shot up early Wednesday morning for our Post Wrestling Cafe members that you can join at postwrestlingcafe.com. What are we chatting about on the double shot this week, Mr. Ting? There's a whole lot of stuff. John will be going through the CMLL's anniversary show, which just took place. Uh, I understand that that uh, you have been holding on to these handwritten notes for days now, just waiting, waiting. I had to type them out, actually, because my writing was my, my handwriting has certainly diminished over the years. Oh, okay. Well, double the notes and double the fun on the double shot. Uh, John will be doing that. And uh, I think we will also talk briefly about Mick Foley's 20 Years of Hell special that aired on the WWE Network last uh, Sunday. And I think we should give audiences maybe an update on uh, 10 Pounds of Gold. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but they released a new episode uh, talking all about Cody versus Nick Aldis. That, uh, okay, I have not seen the new episode, but I I did see the Mick Foley special, and I also watched the... uh, the piece they put up, the, the WWE did with our our phone call interviews. Which one is that? Did oh, you see the, the hell one? The twenty minute or the, the fifteen minute one? Yeah. Yes, where they called up the Undertaker on the phone yeah. to talk about Hell in a Cell. Yeah. That was really good too. We'll chat about both of those on the double shot uh, on Wednesday. Free show. We have the British Wrestling Experience. There is lots going on in that part of the wrestling world. So Martin, Ollie, and Benno will be tackling all of that news. Thursday, it's Braden and Davey Portman with Up Next slash Forever Young, where they will be going through NXT, May Young Classic. I don't think they are adding 205 Live to their plates. That's too much to ask of those guys. I mean, if they'd like to, please go nuts. But um, they're already uh, we're, they're already doubling their workload by covering two shows, and they're doing a great job of it. Uh, catch last week's review with Dahlia Black, actually. Um, so... But at the very least, I think those two shows, yeah, for sure, you will get coverage of. And then uh, more cafe shows. We'll have Friday, me and Way's review of The Incredible Hulk as we continue our, our Marvel Cinematic Universe reviews that Way has decreed we are going to review all of them. I mean, and really, the, is... the audience has decreed it. I, I was just about to kind of cherry pick everything, but it seemed like I heard enough from, from people, many of, of you guys seemingly suffering from some form of OCD wanting us to review every single one, including, uh, eventually, uh, Captain Marvel, the trailer of which just dropped today. I saw the trailer, yes. Did you enjoy it? Uh, Yeah, it looks interesting. If it wasn't part of the Marvel universe of movies, it wouldn't grab me. Oh, for sure. 
Yeah, you could say that about like half of these people. Like Ant Man, who would who would I mean that would be fun anyway, but I, I think it's 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 because of its like connection to the MCU that kind of makes it such a interesting uh thing. But just as a story alone, I think considering Marvel's track record, you can you can assume that they will treat this with the with quality. Yes. I like that it's set in the nineties as well. Mm-hmm. The the little blockbuster video, the synonymous with the nineties. Maybe we'll get an aqua reference. I I don't know if it would have been that far into the nineties. I'm not exactly sure. I feel like it, it would be early nineties, this one, but I you it could. It could, yeah. And then on Saturday, new eggshells show with Chris Charlton. He's gonna be joined by Lee Daly this month, uh this weekend. They're chatting about the year two thousand two of major wrestling cards at the Tokyo Dome. And then we round out the week Sunday on the post wrestling cafe, Way and I reviewing the final destruction card in Kobe with Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi battling for the briefcase. A show every day, multiple shows a day even. So, uh, again, we do this for the truck drivers. If you guys have these long commutes, uh, plenty of content for you guys. Yeah, we're really hypocrites complaining about all the content WWE puts out. I mean, we are unabashed hypocrites. But let's get into the news of the day courtesy of this great website called postwrestling.com. A lot of this actually coming out uh, later in the day. First of all, Way, are you aware that on Thursday, the UFC is holding a press conference, I think we discussed this, at Radio City Music Hall with Conor McGregor and Habib Namagamadov to promote their fight? I am, yes. Okay. So, they had booked Radio City Music Hall, announcing it is not open to the public. Only media is invited. And the UFC has since announced that they have blocked off a part of Times Square for this big block party, and they're going to play the press conference on the giant screen um, that's hmm. in between 45th and 46th Streets. Wow. So then Conor McGregor, who has recently unveiled his own brand of whiskey entitled Proper Number 12, announced tonight on Twitter that fans that show up with his whiskey can get into the press conference. Really? <laughs> so he is he going to be is his team going to let him in through the back door perhaps next to the well, the fighter bus? Uh I don't know what mode of transportation they are going to be getting there. Nor am I aware if the UFC knew this tweet was coming that yeah. Connor said if you have a bottle of proper number 12, that is the only admission to get into the press conference. Okay. If you bring two bottles, you bypass the line. That is a recipe for disaster. A complete disaster. Bring alcohol to this press conference. The that more is... alcohol you get, the more incentive you have to cut through the line. Um, I, I mean, we don't certainly like the fact that I think they they didn't allow the public into Radio City Music Hall. I feel like must be some lo- type of restriction, either from the building or from somebody choosing to be, be somewhat responsible, knowing that with the with the rowdy crowd in there, this could you know be a disaster. Do you and, think at all this is a concerted that this was a, a plan? Because Conor McGregor does have a stake in this show. Do you think at all that this was a a marketing idea for his whiskey that they came up with, rather I, than running a press conference in an empty Radio City musical? John, I can't imagine how any responsible governing body or organization <laughs> would think that this was a good idea. Like I'm this, not saying it's a great idea. This to me but, just <laughs> sounds like it's the idea of some some crazy man with a lot of money. <laughs> and a new whiskey business that he decided to tweet out one day. And uh geez, let's we'll Dude, see this whiskey is 
This whiskey doesn't even cost. It's twenty five bucks a bottle. It's not even pricey. How are they even gonna like check? Are they just gonna like, oh, you have a bottle? Okay, great, cool. What if I just like filled a bottle with like whiskey colored? Uh, like, there's no like, way they can allow someone into a major venue like that with glass bottles. Of course not. Of alcohol, it, no. Featuring way. Conor McGregor, who has literally thrown uh, uh, cans of e- energy drinks. At people yeah. at prior press conferences yes. in a state where he was in court over this past summer. <laughs> this is the nuttiest story. <laughs> yeah, either way, I mean, listen, Connors is, uh, whether intentional or not, he's a genius, I suppose, at getting people to talk about himself. This, to me, feels like it's just one of those stunts I don't expect to to be, uh, you know, I don't expect to actually um, see materialize. results from. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. He he's crazy. Okay. What would Habib question. say? What would Habib do? Like, what what's what's what what do you what can you bring for for him? Oh, maybe he's got his own brand of vodka. Oh, perfect. Whiskey versus vodka. That's just... oh, that's gonna be the the big showdown. Yeah. Um, Bars are gonna make a killing. Oh God, it's uh, that fight's gonna be insane, yeah. and we're only two and a half weeks away from this fight. It is creeping up very quickly. It's going to be. That's part of the the crazy, crazy weekend uh, that we have going on between wrestling and MMA. Uh, Raw's audience was down. It was their lowest number since July the 9th. They were going up against uh, a Monday night football game that did almost 12 million viewers. And the Emmy Awards, which did another 10 million viewers. And way, do you want to know what happened with Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin being saved for the third hour? I'd love to. A a third hour drop of 11.4%. That's how many people... Thought, you know what, Baron Corbin, main event, nah. For a world, like for a Universal Championship match, I'm sure that's kind of what they were thinking, you know. Uh, <laughs> I got it. it it's got to be those chin locks. It's got to be. <laughs> um, that and plus the Emmys, I'm sure. I was know. so glad you used that as the image oh, for the, the our show image. on Monday. <laughs> yeah, the only picture, I think. Uh, here's an interesting story. This was reported by PWInsider.com today. That Impact officials Ed Nordholm and Scott Demore met with WWE officials at he- uh, WWE headquarters last week. This was after the wrestling media con event in England and prior to the Impact team going to Mexico City for the tapings last Thursday and Friday. It was said it was more of just a general meeting uh, together, not really specifically negotiating anything. And one Impact official told the site made it clear this was not about selling the company or the video library. Neither of those are for sale. So I guess they were very concerned uh, that this would give the wrong impression that they were meeting at WWE. But what an interesting meeting of what this uh, might have been about. Vince McMahon was not at this meeting. Triple H's team was, I understand, right? So I wonder who... Triple H was there or wasn't there? It said Triple H's team. Mm. Mm, Okay. I, I don't know. I think I think we can speculate forever about what what this might be. It could be as simple as you know. Um, we uh, need a Hall of Famer for Bound for Glory weekend. I don't know. Okay, I guess yeah. In exchange for what more more video, perhaps. I who knows? Like I don't even care to speculate. But you know, it's interesting. I guess that the news came out, and I think if you're TNA. Uh, first of all, most important that I think you, you let people know that it's the company's not for sale and that, in fact, it's it's very stable and, you know, we want to see it grow ourselves. Uh, but also, I think 
it, it further kind of shows you TNA or sorry, Impact is, is willing to really reach out to its competitors in order to work with them. Uh, and I, I understand that they're probably comfortable to do that because they really have nothing to lose at this point. They've already bottomed out, I would say, maybe a year or like a year and a half ago. And they still seem to be in that kind of rebuilding phase where they're now opening their doors and, and being willing to, to work with other people, probably until they get to a certain level themselves where they can be independent again. Yeah, I think it's more so rather than people speculating about what the meeting was about, I think just the fact that this meeting was taken by the WWE tells you something and and worth noting that it was Hunter's team here that met with them that you have certainly seen uh you know a more of an embracing of impact itself when it comes to WWE like a year ago just the idea of seeing impact footage and references like this was a company that never existed to WWE in any sense and now they have you know there've been several projects where they've worked together for for you know various stuff on the network and for the podcast, uh, so there, you know, there's more of a TNA presence now, and I think that it's more it's more so interesting the fact that WWE even took this meeting, even if it was just simply sitting down and bouncing off ideas off one another, and it was more just uh, getting to know one another kind of thing. Well, a lot has really changed since I think the Hogan Bischoff era, when the two were actually going head to head for a brief period, or or when competition was a lot stiffer. In that time, I think Impact has obviously kind of lost a lot, whereas the WWE has kind of almost just accelerated in terms of growth. So as far as competition, the two aren't really in the same league at all anymore. No. Um, And therefore, I think, you know, uh, it kind of, I guess, opens up uh, opportunities to work together when there really is no competition between the two. Realistically, like if I'm Impact, looking at this pop TV deal, and where they have gone. I mean, they have been on pop TV now for several years. They have a very limited audience there. I would very much be looking at the idea of trying to maneuver impact into a similar position that a progress is in, that evolve is in, and trying to work out something to get impact onto the WWE network. That would be really interesting. Uh, the like the difficult part is the other worldwide deals Impact has that does pay them money. That mm. um, what with I, I would still be willing to uh, have that kind of crossover. That yes, Impact airs on the network. That I think would instantly make Impact more of a routine for people to watch than yes. it currently is. Absolutely, and I don't know. I don't think that would greatly upset your Sony's in India or you know, five spike in the UK, for instance, that are currently running impact. If anything, I think it draws more attention to the impact brand that you can go tour to, uh, in those places and have more of a presence. That to me, not knowing anything of this meeting, that would be my play. And seeing if the WWE would be willing to spend some money and have a relationship with impact where they are getting content for the network and impact gets more of a spotlight on a much larger service than the global wrestling network is ever going to be. Interesting story. I I, I hope to hear more from it. Um, Quickly here. I'm not going to go through all the details of this because, you know, it gets into a lot of specifics, but uh, over the last almost four years now, going back to January of 2015, there have been all these concussion related lawsuits and they pretty much all now been thrown out uh, that were filed against the WWE and everyone is probably familiar has heard the name of Jerry McDivitt, who is the 
the lead counsel uh, for the WWE in all of these legal affairs. So if you haven't been following this story, these lawsuits have largely been presented by this attorney named Constantine Kairos, who in you can read this entire lawsuit, uh, the dismissal by the judge, who was pretty, pretty uh, open and honest about the frivolous claims that had been made and the constant somewhat aggravation with Constantine Kairos throughout this process of what he brought forth. There were examples where in some of the filings, they had taken the same suit that the NFL players had filed, and it seemed like copied and pasted the exact language to the point that even like football players' names and the NFL hadn't been omitted in the filing of the paperwork. Like, there's some really outrageous stuff in all of this. So, Constantine Kairos, he puts out this statement to a PW Insider, pretty much stating that he plans to appeal this and was not happy with this decision by the judge. So, Jerry McDivitt puts out this response, okay? And it's rare you get a, a legal representative with this harsh of a statement. But here is part of a Jerry McDivitt's statement uh, in response to Constantine Kairos. This is the same kind of drivel that Kairos pawned off on former wrestlers when soliciting them to sue WWE by false statements that he had obtained a billion-dollar settlement for NFL players and would do the same for wrestlers, when in fact, he had absolutely nothing to do with getting that settlement. He was caught repeatedly making false allegations, has been admonished repeatedly by federal judges about his dishonest behavior, and now has been subjected to two different sanction orders of the kind that would make most lawyers embarrassed and ashamed. The rant that he sent you now insults the federal judge who issued the decision, and he still fails to address the basis of her opinion. He may well have been able to mislead those he solicited to join his lawsuits, but he will never succeed in misleading us or federal judges. Frankly, he should be disparred. McDivitt, what a, out. Yeah, McDivitt, 316. What a, what a promo. I'm telling you, if, if you're running the Performance Center and you're not bringing that guy down for promo class, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, you can read all about this uh, in my update today. Um, some, uh, you know, these lawsuits have been just lingering forever, and it seems like uh, they are over at this point. Uh, and uh, one final note here. Uh, I did want to send our condolences to uh, Anthony Corelli, who you mm-hmm. probably remember as Santino Morella, his brother, uh, passed away very unexpectedly this past week. He uh, put out uh, a note tonight uh, that his brother, Pasquale, he was recovering from heart surgery, and he just said that there was a catastrophic event that took place that rendered him brain dead. And it, it seems like this was uh, completely uh, unexpected, uh, this turn for the worse. And unfortunately, his brother passed away. Uh, I don't know how old his brother was, but, I mean, Anthony is... Not that old, so I mean, I, I imagine this was you know I saw a photo of him. This was not a an old guy by any mm-hmm. stretch. Very yeah. unfortunate. Our condolences. So those are the news items. Uh, you can go to postwrestling.com for more. SmackDown on Tuesday night took place from Tulsa, Oklahoma, at the BOK Center. And did you find this interesting? The start of the show featured highlights of Becky Lynch's title win. And that was all they started off the show with. There was no recap of any of the other SmackDown matches. And that ended up bookending the show. This was the prime match coming out of Hell in a Cell and got the main event slot on tonight's show. Like, this feels like the main event program above Styles and Joe on this show it did. 
Absolutely, it did to me as well. Um, I think the the fact that we saw a title change, a major title change, helped that. I also feel like it's it's probably right now the harder feud of the two title programs. Yeah, it's you know it was presented very. It was forty minutes into the show before they even mentioned anything regarding Styles and Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was noteworthy. Miz TV was our opening segment. He announced uh, breaking news. Breaking news way. It's going to be Daniel Bryan versus The Miz in a number one contenders match at Super Showdown to uh, Byron Saxton, who either has really awful dial-up internet or he just has completely gone Brock Lesnar with regards to technology, yelled, wow. Wow. So on this edition of SmackDown, whereas I felt last night on Raw, they were kind of talking about a lot of the matches at the uh, uh, Super Showdown as if we had all kind of magically known about them. And many of us did. You know, those of us who who, who went to the website or, or actually dig, dug through the Wikipedia. But I'll say that a large portion of the audience probably had no idea. Um, and on this edition of SmackDown, they decided to treat it as if people didn't know about it. So, you know, it's kind of one of those... They, they one of those awkward situations where uh, I don't know why they announced all those matches that far out in advance. Um, they want to sell tickets to the show. I, I mean, I announce a whole card. Uh, I guess they wanted people to know that, you know, just get out all the big names. I understand why they do it. But at the same time, I'm allowed to make fun of them for it. Oh, when yeah, they try sure. to make it look uh, like this is breaking news here on, on the show when I mean, it's right on their website. But anyway, uh, he announces his surprise guest for tonight. It's Maurice. She comes out and she has overcome all these stereotypes, Ms. said, and given birth and asks her what it was like to beat up Brie. She says it was the easiest thing she's ever done. She's such a better athlete than Brie Bella. <laughs> she says Brie's heart just wasn't into it. Ms. says that's interesting because I don't think her heart's in her relationship with Daniel anymore. These two, are, these two are just great together. Great lines. Awesome. They explain that Brie had thought she was hitching her wagon to a big star and staying relevant. But then Brian, I guess, fizzled out. And she used Brian to market her image. Now Brian's using her to fight his battles. They are the real couple with real love and real talent. And then Maurice announces tonight is her final night on SmackDown. And everyone cheers. Miz says they're cheering because she is going back to being the mother of the century. (laughs) And I thought the opening was there about Miz just under his breath saying, I don't see Brie going home to take care of her child, but we Damn. didn't get that one. That would have been too truthful, you know? Like, this is uh, the heels kind of saying r- ridiculous things, but Brie sticking around, I kind of, it kind of, <laughs> that would just make her look actually bad. Well, she remarks how she looks after five months since birth, and Miz is upset that they're booing her. Said, You're going to boo a mother? And Miz vows to destroy Daniel Bryan tonight. And Bryan comes out and says, when you talk about my wife, this is what you get. And he goes after Miz. He drop kicks Miz, who goes into Maurice um, with the same uh, impact that um, a stuffed animal falling over would probably generate. This what? was the lightest contact you could envision. It did kind of uh, maybe... 
make it a little bit tough to believe because I just saw this woman engage in a wrestling match the night before, <laughs> taking much tougher uh, uh, contact than what we saw here. But, well, I, d- I don't think one person in this arena bought this except for Daniel Bryan, who mm. was beside himself. He's apologizing. Although Maurice- Bryan, although Bryan kind of later revealed that he was onto him. Yeah, this was a uh, spy versus spy with yeah. Brian and Miz, I guess. Miz, uh, Maurice is selling this. She gets to the apron, turns to Brian, smiles, and Miz goes after him. But then Miz ends up running at Brian, missing, and he knocks Maurice off the apron, which was a fun little twist. And Brian clotheslined him to the floor. So Brian, in the end, uh, outsmarted Miz and Maurice and stood tall. I I was initially disappointed when I I I realized. I mean. Maurice, of all people, was the special guest after they had seemingly kind of made a bit of a big deal out of Miz having a special guest. So I wasn't really looking forward to the segment at the beginning, but seeing how it played out, the great lines from Miz and Maurice, just the two of them playing such entertaining, cocky, sarcastic heels, I really enjoyed that. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the stuff with Brian coming out and kind of like the slow burn of that swerve that i think everybody saw coming but we we gladly will accept anyway uh i thought all that was paced really well i found the miz and maurice incredibly entertaining and i guess the whole point of this was to just have brian redeem himself again after that loss to set up that match uh also it looks like Bree's probably done on smackdown now i would hope so i mean there's you know, no need for it now with Maurice gone. Some explanation of why she was there, at least for that month, I think would have, you know, not insulted my intelligence that much. But whatever. Let let it be over. The New Day was shown backstage. Biggie and Xavier Woods were, dress, were dressed up in safari gear because they're off to Australia. And we had our Mixed Match Challenge promos. I don't know how many weeks of these I, I can sit through. The, these promos are just the worst. Dude, it's a round robin. So, Oh, God. There are varying degrees, I would say, of like... A lot of them are bad. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. But um, some of them could be fun. Uh, possibly. Uh, this week, I don't know if there were any. Brian was interviewed by Kayla Braxton. She was just stunned. How did you see that coming? And Brian said that he thwarted Mrs. Plan... Because he knew there was something going on when Miz called him out. Because everyone knows Miz is a coward. And he knew something disgusting was going to happen. Something disgusting. And he couldn't believe that Miz would stage an injury with his wife. He knows his tricks. And it's not going to be a double date in Australia. He's going to punch Miz in the face and then punch his ticket for a chance to become WWE champion. Good promo from Brian here. I think it makes him eh, it makes hopefully him... getting on back on the right track because he has veered off, I feel. I mean, I always knew I think the, the intergender stuff was going to be a, 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 a detour or like a sort of like a chapter in, in their longer feud. Um, and I enjoyed the match on Sunday, so I can't really hate on the whole thing. I think I guess what I would have appreciated here was some explanation about why Daniel Bryan and The Miz are getting a title or a chance at a title shot. Especially Brian, after losing a number of matches to The Miz. Oh, look at Rusev tonight. He got a title match after losing on Sunday. Yeah, I guess I guess doesn't really require all that much. It's it's Brockonomics. I, I guess so. If you're popular, then you get a shot. That's it. The bar comes out. They promote that they will be challenging the New Day at Super Showdown. So New Day comes out. Graves refers to Xavier and Biggie in their outfits as Outback Jack and Kimchi. <laughs> 
Kingston says that they proved there was only room for one day here in WWE when they beat Rusev Day. Big E then started doing his Australian accent. Woods called it a terrible accent, and Kingston said, it is a bit offensive. (laughs) But then Big E claimed that the Iconics gave him the okay to do an Australian accent. Yeah. Is that uh, no no opinion on whether this Australian accent was offensive or not? I mean, I'm not Australian, so uh, please, uh, um, Chris from Melbourne, let us know. Biggie cut a promo on Cesaro's areolas, and then Cesaro says his jokes aren't funny. Sheamus calls the team a joke, and they're going to elevate the titles after they win them. And that set up our singles match. Kofi Kingston against Cesaro. Fairly quick match, but... Uh, good for what it was. Cesaro landed the standing drop kick, nailing Kingston off the top turnbuckle. Kofi came back with a tornado DDT. And then with Cesaro on the floor, Kingston used the top rope as a spring, using his chest to bounce up and flip over. And Xavier Woods thought this was the greatest thing he has ever seen. Kofi followed with the SOS for a two count. And then Cesaro booted him from the corner, neutralizer, and pinned Kofi in 339. Not much of a match here. I mean, I just it was very short, uh, three minutes thirty nine seconds. I think just uh, just to heat up the bar. Fine for a mid card feud, but I mean, uh, I know this New Day stuff entertains a lot of people. I'm clearly not in the demographic um, that they're aiming for, but I know a lot of people appreciate it. Rusev and Lana were backstage, and Aiden came in, noted their tough loss on Sunday, but he's got a great feeling about tonight. Rusev says, "Yeah, because you're not going to be in the match." And he blames Aiden for losing on Sunday and that he didn't pull his weight. English then turns around after they walk off and he starts yelling at this PA that Rusev Day was all because of him. There would be no Rusev Day without him. And Lana needs to be more of a manager and less of a wife. And he turns around. Lana at warp speed is back and is standing there. Somehow she has lost Rusev in the 10 seconds uh, that has elapsed here. And Aiden immediately apologizes. This is the guy who sent the email to the wrong person and can't hit undo. It's out there. And Lana's heard it all. And she tells Rusev, or she says she will tell Rusev, and Aiden panics. You ever done that? Sent an email and undone it, or it's gone through to the wrong person? Or a text, or like getting on a Skype call and uh, forgetting the other person was on the line. Um, No... I don't I, I definitely have that undo feature though on my, my Gmail. I call it the um the Vince Russo protection method. Oh. So that you you don't send uh announcer notes to reporters. Yeah. Um hmm. but yeah, it's a it's a good thing to have in case you, you you send it to the the wrong person or something. I mean I I'm not one that sends like vile things, so I, I don't really sent to the wrong person it's like oh hey um those notes about the cmll anniversary show they weren't (laughs) meant for you but if you want to read them by all means give me your feedback (laughs) uh do you know how many fans the wwe has on facebook more than kim kardashian west and espn and the ufc 39 million that is i mean all that stuff is very impressive sure Um, that's a big number But I guess I feel like they should be at a point where they don't feel the need to brag about it anymore. 
I think that um, that's never going to happen. They're like this Kim Kardashian West brag about her Twitter followers. She might. I don't know. Maybe she does. Does she have a did you know graphic designed for her commercials coming in and out? I don't watch that reality show, so I can't tell you. Is it still keeping up with the Kardashians, or is it a new reality show I'm, she's I'm, a part of? No, I have I no idea. I think it's it's still that. Oh well, they're having a good run. Those Kardashians—they're very popular. Tom Phillips was speaking on camera, and then he was interrupted by a commotion in the production truck. He must have had, like, uh, telepathy because the commotion had not actually occurred. They cut before the commotion began because Randy Orton walked into the production truck, and I thought he was going to give the director, like, a massage. He just put his hands on his shoulders and started, like, rubbing them. And he wants the footage pulled up, and it's the close-up of the screwdriver in Jeff Hardy's ear. The guy says, you're hurting me, and... He asks the director if he thinks this is disturbing and it will pale in comparison to what he does to his next victim. And the announcers are disgusted by this. Now, Randy Orton, he needs to learn how to use a DVR because he could have saved himself a whole travel day coming to Tulsa for this segment to watch a still shot of his handiwork. Someone's got to get this guy the network at home or something. I mean, I'm guessing he wanted to broadcast it, but um, in a roundabout way, he he did. I found it interesting that they managed to find a way to have Randy Orton threaten an employee of the WWE to, uh, I guess, I don't know, make physical contact with him. I don't think there was anyone that's aware of the, the Randy Orton stories that are out there that was not thinking about that during this segment. Uh, anyway, it is, uh, you know, this creepy Randy Orton character, he plays it really well. And, uh, I'm sure, um, you know, um, he's, he's been practicing, um, a while. I thought it was a fresh way in this segment to deliver, you know, what was essentially a pretty generic message of he's, him going to, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, to me, it seemed like he was moving on from Jeff Hardy. And I like the way they delivered it here, as opposed to your traditional backstage interview or promo in the ring. I thought they did a pretty bad job on this show of doing any follow-up on Jeff Hardy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, the main... Like, no should... mention, even just brief that we don't know what his status is after Sunday. He was taken to hospital. Because on the website, remember we got the, the last update on the pay-per-view. The guy's, like, his intestines are coming through his mouth or whatever. He's bleeding. And... Then on the website, they announced that he left the hospital on his own on Sunday night and left. He just walked out of the hospital, and that was it. And he worked a fictional, not fictional, a legitimate house show on Monday, but that doesn't count. Hmm. So no update on this show. It's like they had no idea for him. Braxton then interviews. Man, do you realize we've got Saxton and Braxton as broadcasters on this show? Saxton and Braxton. We have Byron Saxton and Kayla Braxton. Yes. Wow. Say Byron Saxton and Kayla Braxton five times fast. I'm Can that even, be our next contest? I'm not even going to try. Braxton interviewed AJ Styles. He said uh, she brought up that he was a fraction of a second from losing the title. He says Joe winning the title would have been the worst thing to happen. The referee's decision stands. And yes, maybe Joe was screwed, but maybe it was karma. And they're going to do it one more time in Australia, but he has to focus on Almas tonight because if he doesn't, he'll lose. 
and he's going to focus on him. I like this calm, serious delivery from AJ. Again, I think his promo reminds me a lot of Bret Hart when he was champion. Not an overly or flashy or, or eccentric promo at all, but he feels like a serious, determined competitor who we know can back it up in the ring. He ended this by going, woo. Oh, he didn't do that. Those are his other promos. <laughs> they showed all the headlines way of WWE announcing Crown Jewel and social media is buzzing. Buzzing, buzzing way. Yeah, buzzing, I guess you can. Yeah, it's not wrong. Yeah, buzzing. Yes. Yeah. Lana has only found Rusev now. This is about 25 minutes later. He says he's only focused on Nakamura, doesn't want to hear what Lana has to say, and he asks Aiden English to do the honors and, I guess, forgive him in this time. So Shinsuke Nakamura, Rusev, United States title. English is out here in his corner after doing the intro. Graves says that Rusev Day could be abolished in Nakamerica. So they're still going with his... uh, the sovereign nation of Knock America. Only briefly. Yeah, this was kind of about as much as we heard about it in recent months. Um, and Nakamura just not even getting any promo time. Uh, but the story isn't about him at all here. No, he's kind of just uh, a device. He's just around. Yes. Uh, this is when they mentioned tonight is episode 996. And it hit me. My God, in the stretch of all these big shows they got to promote, they've got that SmackDown 1000th episode in all of this next month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just another thing to promote that they haven't even mentioned really on TV or built up at all. Like, I, I don't think this one's going to be a. I feel this is going to be like a two week little promotion for the thousandth episode, but they just got way too much going on. Yeah, it's hard for me to think of it being as big of a deal as, you know, the, the Raw, the big 25th anniversary. Oh, it won't Raw. be. They started promoting that well in advance. Like, it's it's not going to be anywhere near that. Like, they'll have some people from the past come back, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a very small deal. Nakamura had him in a guillotine. English starts a Rusev Day chant on the microphone with Lana looking annoyed. Rusev did his comeback where he uh, pressed him into the air, landing a knee, hit a head kick, and got the audience going here. He then ducked, landed a head kick for a two count. Then Nakamura missed a knee into the corner. They go to the edge of the apron. Rusev gets his, uh, his eyes raked, and then there's a flying knee off the turnbuckle that sends Rusev to the floor. Back into the ring, the Kinshasa is stopped with a Machka kick. Both are down. Rusev gets onto the apron and yells, Rusev, crush. I don't know why Rusev had such a reaction to these words, but he took all of his attention away from Nakamura and was distracted. Like, what? What do you mean? Rusev, crush, I don't understand this. Those were my instructions for years by Lana, but now you are giving them to me. I, You're really distracting me. And Nakamura rolled him up for the win. I was like, this, this idiot, like, this wasn't Aiden's fault. This guy just had attention deficit disorder. Yeah, I, but it's, he went on a microphone and did it, and he oh. stole his wife's line. It was his wife's line, and Aiden was already in hot water from Rusev. She's kind of given up that line, though. She really just kind of, you know, if you don't renew your trademark, someone else is going to grab it. Well, when this occurred, I found the the distraction almost so blatant, and at the time I felt kind of uncreative if you're going to go about, you know, just another distraction finish. But I think the end result let us know that it was intentionally distracting to 
you know, for a reason for made in English. Well, after Rusev's in the ring and then Aiden jumps him from behind and he attacks Rusev with the most violent microphone attack we've had in quite some time. Lana looked on in horror. She was screaming and Rusev was just laying there as Aiden said, happy Rusev day. He sang and dropped it. Them. He sang it. I thought he could have had a more clever line than happy Rusev day. Like, um, uh, I don't know, like the sun has set and Rusev day is over. Oh, like an actual sing, like, like an actual phrase. Yeah, like something yeah. playing off the, the day ending. Mm, okay, interesting. Uh, and he dropped the mic onto him, and Lana just howled like a injured wolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just screamed and screamed. It was piercing. Right, yeah. I thought it was a really vicious, like almost psychological attack from English here. Uh, the way he sang those last words, I found it so creepy and so awesome. I thought it was really interesting how they built up to this moment with the turn. I mean, I felt like the earlier segment was done almost in a way to tease us with a longer story that I, I didn't fully expect that we would see the resolution of until later on. I didn't think it would get the turn probably until months. I didn't even think he would have turned. I wasn't sure who was going to turn. I, I, I think that was intentional and in not really making it known that Aiden was going to be the one or at least going to be that blatant of a heel this early on. So... I didn't think we'd get it right away, but I almost like it more like this because I think Aiden is almost trying to now convey this almost schizophrenic uh, person who just snapped. And, you know, I think I'm still a little worried about what the breakup would do to Aiden English. I think it might still very much hurt him at the end of this whole feud. But I, at least I think giving him the role of the heel in this breakup, it could potentially open him up to a more interesting character and perhaps potentially elevate his status. I think it's up to creative, and I think it's up to him to really step up his game. But I think the potential is there for this, like, you know, very interesting, deranged, like, psychologically tortured type of heel character. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see where this goes with Aiden English. I think it's a, it's a good move for him. Um, I don't know with Rusev. I, like, I really like the Rusev-English combination, and... No, Rusev and Lana had a great dynamic for a long time, but I feel they've kind of moved on from that. So I don't, I don't know if keeping those two together is the best thing for Rusev. Yeah, it's kind of sad because I really still don't feel like they reached their potential with this Rusev Day thing. Um, but then again, I feel like that, you know, that opportunity had passed probably several months ago, and at this point, um, tag team title shot was seemingly about as much as they got. Hopefully they can do something interesting with this uh, feud between the two. They aired a trailer for the 2K19 game, and our next match was AJ Styles, Andrade, C, and Almas. Non-title match. Almas jumps Styles during his entrance as his music was playing, and AJ tells the referee, I'm good, I can go, and the match begins. Styles did fight back with strikes. They went through several commercials during this. They got a lot of time. Uh, Vega slapped Styles from the floor as... Uh, Almas was in control, uh, hit that great-looking spinning back elbow. Styles came back with the Ushiguroshi, fired up, took off his shirt, which always gives babyfaces power. Almas went for his top rope moonsault, landed on his feet, and then hit the standing moonsault. He's got to learn that this... He always lands on his feet from this moonsault. He's just got to learn that, you know what? This this height is not helping my, my hip, my knees. I think i got to retire this. Everyone always gets out of the way of it. And then he went for the standing moonsault and he landed on Styles' knees. 
it's it, it just always happens to work out that way every single Man. time it's crazy Styles went for a springboard. He stopped. Almas climbs up. Double foot stomp onto the edge of the apron. He's going for the count out win. Almas then runs into the corner. Misses him. Falls to the floor. Styles hits him with the sliding knee. Uh, this was AJ's second attempt at the Styles Clash after Almas had blocked it earlier. This time, Almas gets to the ropes, which was a really clever way to stop the Styles Clash. Almas is then favoring his left knee. And he's shaking it. and He's holding it. And then he says, hey, look, AJ's in the corner. Double knees. And he just runs into the corner, full speed ahead. Just sprints into the corner. Not the wisest move for your knee. And then Styles fights back. He goes for a jackknife cover, but then does this backwards roll back to his feet, lifting up Almas to hit the Styles clash. This was a great finish. This was a very good match. Yeah, I like the match between the two, especially for television. I think this was of a, a very high quality. Um, I mean, if I have to compare, I think, the two best performers in the company right now, I still have to go with Seth Rollins above AJ, I think, in terms of having show-stealing performances this year. I mean, AJ matches, though, still feel very special because he is able to do so much that most wrestlers can't. And I think you saw a great sample of that with that awesome Jackknife Styles clash at the end here. Yeah, almost has been doing really good. I think he's, uh, you know, yeah, he has, you know, the matches with Brian, this match. Um, I like this a lot. This was uh, really, really good stuff. Samoa Joe then ran in attacking Styles. He's yelling at him. Styles just stops, sends him into the steps. He's attacking Joe and then Joe leaves through the crowd. So it's like AJ's just getting the better of this guy at every turn now. Hmm. Bottom off. Naomi is with Asuka backstage. They are the new Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA with their fur coats. Oh, okay. Yeah, clearly the inspiration. This is what happens when you bond over teriyaki. Did Magnum TA ever have uh, glow shoes? Not that I'm aware of. We should have asked him at StarCast. Uh, There was a promo for 205 Live moving to Wednesdays and the new three-hour block. Which I was like, oh my god. This is crazy that you're promoting this. Like you watch, you get three hours on Monday. Now you get three hours on Wednesdays. You kind of get three hours on Tuesdays too with the next match. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Don't ever leave your house. <laughs> you are a WWE fan. No, they got Thursday and Friday to fill. So. Oh, give them time. Yeah. Billy Kay versus Asuka. The Iconics are in the ring and Billy Kay is just remarking, this is gross. And then Peyton Royce, auditioning for SCU, said that Tulsa is the worst. And Billy said, no, I was talking about the odd couple, Naomi and Asuka. And then they mocked their dancing as Naomi and Asuka both came out. Quick match. Billy Kay threw her down. She bounced off the bottom rope. Hip attack. T-Bone suplex gets countered into the Oscar lock and Billy Kay taps out in a minute 46. Yeah, not a long match at all. Um, I think just the match to really kind of introduce these two as a team, Asuka and Naomi. I didn't really get to see a whole lot in terms of their team dynamic, nor kind of what what any real sense of chemistry might exist between Asuka and, and Naomi. Um, in ring, I feel like also you can only do so much with Kay and Royce, but, you know, the Iconics... Their role thus far seems to be as like almost introductory opponents for new projects. And in that role, I think they work well enough. 
you know, the routine is really great. But I feel like it's it's very hard to put them into a bigger program for now because they're so limited in ring. Yeah, yeah. Final segment was the championship coronation. Paige was inside the ring. She welcomes out Becky Lynch. Paige unveils the title. The crowd's chanting, you deserve it. Becky says it took two long years, but she's back where she belongs. This is her show, her title. And no longer will she be left off the magazine covers, pay-per-view posters, and morning talk shows. So Becky has like gone back in time like 15 years to when the WWE had a magazine when they promoted pay-per-views with posters. Uh, I guess morning talk shows she can still lay claim to. Maybe she means she, the PW Insider or PWI. <laughs> yeah, she's it's like, I better be on the top of the PWI 500 and uh, get her own pro wrestling t-shirt. She remarks to Paige, there were no balloons or the women surrounding the ring for the division that she built. And then she calls out Charlotte Flair. Charlotte comes out, but she's not here to fight or steal the spotlight. The second she says she's not here to fight, Paige just hightails it. She gets out of here. She says she's here to give respect to Becky, the same respect Becky wouldn't give her at Hell in a Cell. She acknowledges Becky was the better woman on Sunday, but she paid a steep price to regain that title. And Charlotte can't wait for their rematch in front of 60,000 people at Super Showdown. It took Becky two years to regain the title, and she can lose it all in one night. I Becky don't think, inform- I don't think yeah. they bring up the fact that, that it's going to be a 60,000 people show enough. You know, the fact that this is a WrestleMania-sized event that's about to take place. Like, they just kind of introduce these matches. You know, take her, take her Triple H aside, I, I suppose they make a big deal out of it. But I don't really think it's clear that this is going to be in front of a stadium crowd, which I think for... Uh, in comparison to many of their other specials, to me is is a big draw of of seeing what this will look like. Yeah, yeah, they're they're taking it for granted. All these stadiums they're running, yeah, not really. trying to make a big deal out of it. I mean, it's not called the showdown; it's the super showdown. Yeah. Becky tells Charlotte, "I wasn't even listening after you told me I was the better woman." She says she ended up winning the big one, and she would not let Charlotte raise her arm and allow Charlotte to take the spotlight. She says tonight. She'll allow Charlotte to touch the champion. You can raise my hand. Then she says, no, how about you put the title around my waist? Charlotte says she's always shown Becky respect, but she wishes there was a bit of her best friend left. Congratulations, champ. Becky said, well, you know what, Charlotte? You want to be my best friend? Why don't you have some of my brand new whiskey? Proper number, (laughs) proper number 13. She says, I'm just kidding. Now call me queen, bitch. Which I really hope Becky just takes this and just queen keeps bitch? going with it. Queen bitch. Well, just, just the bitch at the end of any oh. of her insults, I think, really works. She's got a really great delivery of the line. I mean, it works. It's a total babyface thing. It is a babyface thing, which how, how did you think up until we'll, we'll get into the physical part of this. But up until this point, like I thought this was a pretty concerted effort to uh, certainly paint Becky as the villain. Although this audience and I think every audience, they are not going to take her as such. I mean, I certainly uh, view her as that, um, but I also don't think it was completely done to make her get booed because like how could you boo somebody who i think is as cool as she is right now like this is steve austin really it's like she 
she didn't insult the crowd. She just basically continued to insult Charlotte and called Charlotte a bitch, it, which uh, it can, has no effect other than to, to pop this audience. So it, it's almost at the point now where I almost don't even care if she's a babyface or heel because I'm enjoying this feud. I just find her compelling. I enjoyed this talking segment a lot. Like, I thought Charlotte was really good here. There are some really great lines written for her. She kind of plays this totally humble loser who's just like, I, I don't I don't get the Roman Reigns sense from her at all. Like, she, to me, feels like just, you know, um, morally strong good guy who is very unhappy about what had happened. Um, but Becky is is the person who's just more of the... Okay, so Charlotte is George St. Pierre, whereas Becky is Conor McGregor. They're both baby faces, but one of them has a way more brash attitude than the other. And Becky here, you know, you kind of made made the joke about about that whiskey. She gave an energy here that was as determined and as ego-driven as that of Conor McGregor's. And I, I'm just loving this character right now, baby face or heel. I almost don't even care. Yeah, I think that that's a really good comparison that I don't think that they necessarily have to contradict each other that you have Charlotte as this you know very very humble and she's like begrudgingly happy for this person that was her friend and not getting anything reciprocated from Becky that these people are into um it's a dynamic that I think nine times out of ten would not work but it is working with these two here and I really hope that they continue this tone and don't feel the need to just push Becky into this role that the audience then kind of, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't connect with at the level they are now, because this, the Becky chance started here. This is when Charlotte attacked her after being called a bitch and Charlotte get, got run into the steps on the floor, tossed over the announcer's desk. Crowd is chanting Becky. She applied the disarmor, hit a Bexploder, and then she left, walked to the top of the ramp and held up the title to end the show. I guess another comparison is, you know, Bret Hart and Steve Austin, when kind of both of those guys were were, were kind of really uh, starting to, I guess, drive up their rivalry. You have Bret Hart, who I think, you know, plays very much a Charlotte type character, very much just uh, honest, true, uh, will, you know, uh, uh, like to congratulate the, the person who defeated them if it was a fair uh, 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 victory. And then you have... Becky, who just doesn't give a shit if you respect her or not, she's going to continue taunting you anyway. Um, I would say, like, in that scenario, we knew how that happened. We, we knew what happened after that. Audiences clearly favored the badass in it, the person with the, 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 the I, I think, more entertaining attitude in Steve Austin. And I think the way it continues right now, I don't necessarily see audiences changing their reactions for Becky. I imagine most of these scenarios to have... Uh, positive reactions to Becky and not hundred percent negative reactions to Charlotte. But I mean, by default, um, I think she will definitely not be the favorite in most of these encounters. Yeah. And that closed the show. I think this is now the top program on SmackDown. Certainly. And I, especially heading into, I guess, super showdown. I imagine they'll drag it out to evolution because I think the feud is really hot right now. Uh, so you might kind of see it for a few more, few more pay-per-views. Yeah, I think that they can definitely stretch it to evolution if if necessary, unless they've got some big idea for uh, Charlotte for that show that had been you know set up. You know, who prior be, to this though? feud, who could it be though? Because everybody's almost got matches already. Uh, if I, I don't know, um, you know, unless it was, 
I think that you should go with Becky. I think that's the hot program at the moment. It's not like this is, you know, a, a program that's fizzling by any stretch. I think you can be really smart about the rematch and then getting to evolution. And then you can move on wherever you want. I, I'm just saying if they had an idea for, you know, if they had someone off the roster, for instance, for, right. for Charlotte, like some big idea for her, she would be one of those figures that you would want to have a big plan for this show if you were new, if you knew you were building towards it. But I, I think that the Becky program is what she should be doing at, at this time. Mm-hmm. All right. That was SmackDown. Uh, an interesting show. Um, I really enjoyed that match with Styles and Almas. Really enjoyed the final segment. Uh, Ms. TV. I thought that was a good segment as well. So this this was a good episode. I enjoyed SmackDown as well, I, especially that final segment. I thought was really fantastic. I think I think Becky Charlotte now has has started to turn into my favorite feud in the WWE. Wow. Well, let's see what everyone had to say. Um, before we go to feedback, I forgot the mix match challenge. Okay, sure. Let's do that. Let's first. do that now. So we got the Mixed Match Challenge, which of course is their Facebook Live show, which I believe uh, is still only accessible to Americans. But you know, if wait, wait a minute, you're not in America. Well, uh, I got a plane ticket and just flew right there through the oh. through the back end of the internet. I suppose there are ways. Uh, so the Mixed Match Challenge returns this year with a different commentary team. We have Michael Cole, Renee Young, and replacing Beth Phoenix, we have Vic Joseph, who oh okay actually took over play by play duties. In the mixed match challenge, Michael Cole now essentially is just kind of there to like do all. Poor the- Michael Cole, man. Like Vic Joseph and Renee can't handle this. Well, I think Michael Cole was there. His role is really just to kind of like set things up and also like do all the social media stuff. Uh, and because he's not busy enough, he's he's got so much like free time. Yeah, that, you know he's yeah. Anyway. Let's just do another hour. Let's be on the road another night. Well, you, I mean, I'm assuming he's there producing these announcers on SmackDown. Anyway. Yeah, he he is there. I mean, yeah. it's just. The poor guy's so overworked. To me, it feels like they were kind of like giving training reels here for for Vic Joseph to eventually kind of take on those roles. But clearly, I like Vic Joseph when I watch 205 Live. I think he's a very competent uh, commentator. And with like the Mixed Match Challenge and and all this Facebook stuff, you have so much to like talk about. Tweet here, chat this, hashtag this, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming they trust Michael Cole a bit more with all that. I also really like Renee being on this show because I think she'll be more relaxed on this show John, than, than on ev- Raw. Everybody is more relaxed on this show. Every single <laughs> performer. Um, okay, so we have two matches now per every edition of the Mixed Match Challenge. We are doing a round robin this year. So this thing is going to last a while. Where uh, I guess it's like the G1. Everybody has to face everybody else. Yeah, it's so, two months. Wow. Okay, so uh, we were supposed to get two matches on the show, one of which was uh, set to be... Um, Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman taken on Team Paws, Natalia, and Kevin Owens. However, they inform us that due to her injuries suffered against Ronda Rousey at Hell in a Cell, Alexa Bliss is not able to make it tonight. Attention to detail. Yes. Um, yeah, she's off the live events this weekend. Yeah. So instead, she is being replaced by Ember Moon, making their new team name Monster Eclipse. Monster sounds like, Eclipse. Sounds like an energy drink. What about uh, Strowmoon? Strowmoon. Okay. Um, that's another one. Sure. Theirs is probably better. They are taking on Team Paws. Like I said, Natalia and Kevin Owens. Uh, they are called Team Paws because they both own Persian cats. Oh, I didn't know that about Kevin Owens. I half expected Kevin Owens to show up with like cat ears, but, you know, I think. <laughs> or like be dressed as like uh, th- those. those... Uh, full out uh, animal suits. 
like I think from, a, blo- from Bloodhound Gang. If it was a month ago, like during all that porta potty stuff, I don't think he could have sunk any lower. So like literally, so I wouldn't have been too surprised. But I feel like he's in a rebuilding phase right now. So I think wisely decided to drop all the cat stuff uh, as far as his outfit went. Um, so there are a lot of chants to start. There's a get these hands chant, and Natalia tri- Natalia tries to come back with get these paws. These paws. I was yes. oh man. Owens and Braun do a lot of taunting to each other before the match. Um, Owens eventually at one point says, hey, I helped you beat down the shield. So uh, as almost like as a reason to like, why are you, you know, yelling at me like this right now? Um, So, you know, Kevin Owens has made, I think, a couple references to like his helping Braun beat the shield at one point. So I feel like it's probably something he must have felt really stupid about doing at the time. Mm hmm. The two, uh, the two men tag out, and so we have Natalia and, em- and Ember start the match. Uh, Owens tells Natalia to make sure Ember doesn't tag Braun in, basically, because, you know, Braun coming in means Kevin Owens has to come in. So most of this match th- at the beginning is Ember and, and Natalia. Natalia delivers a spinning powerbomb and then a sharpshooter, uh, while Braun plays cheerleader, telling Ember to fight through the pain. And Ember gets close to the to the ring to grab the ropes. Eventually, Braun gets frustrated and just pulls her into the corner and tags himself in. So Braun is in. Owens is in. Braun destroys Owens. Owens retreats to the floor. Braun does his uh, run around the ring to the running tackle, uh, which Owens takes masterfully. I think he's the best at doing that. Braun runs around a second time, but this time, Owens meets him with a super kick. Owens, throns, uh, Owens throws Braun onto a table and actually teases a, a count out here. Strowman making it back at the count of nine. Owens makes the tag to Natalia. Ember delivers delivers an enzigiri to Natalia. And then Ember gets on Braun's shoulders, and she pulls off the eclipse off of Braun's shoulders, much in the same way that Alexa did her twisted bliss off of Braun's shoulders last last time in the Mixed Match Challenge. It looks awesome. This match was great. It was a lot of fun. Great energy. Owens played the cowardly heel, I thought, really well. I think Ember and Natty, to me, are two of the best technical wrestlers on Raw. Probably the two best. And I thought Ember, this was a great showcase for her. And I thought that finish really came across well, too. So, a good match. Sounds very ambitious, doing the Eclipse off someone's shoulders. Yeah, I mean, it helps, obviously, because, you know, she's she's a bit shorter. Uh, like, pretty much the same size as Alexa. So, I think that Team Little Big dynamic still works. I don't imagine um, Ember will stick around. Um, I think Alexa will probably replace her. Next, next, uh, next week. But Ember was a great replacement. Sasha Banks and Lashley they cut a selfie promo on their opponents next week. <laughs> the team of Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox, otherwise known as Mahalisha. Oh my God! Banks and Lashley are known as legit dominance, not as creative of a team name. I'll say. Uh, I thought this promo sucked. Banks and Lashley, I felt no chemistry together at all um i almost felt yeah like i like lashley and and balor almost a bit better but banks and lashley thus far have not really shown it uh that much i think uh in common and you know mahalisha on the other hand as i predicted mahalisha they are doing kind of a, a dynamic where they're being paired together because gender is is the inner peace guru and alicia pretty much the craziest person in the women's division if not the entire company um, and, you know, they cut a selfie promo. I felt the promo felt relatively low effort and didn't really hit on that comedic potential between the two. Uh, like, Jinder wasn't even dressed up in his gear for this thing. 
So I found that a little bit disappointing. I think the pairing is good, but I think they should. I hope they have better material next time. What if what if they were? What if they did a romance between Alicia Fox and Jinder Mahal, and then they came out to "What's Love" by Ashanti? Um. Oh, because he's Ashanti. Well, that's his catchphrase, and then you think. Oh right, yes. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying hard. Yeah, I'm trying hard. They could do that. No, so there's they don't need a, to. <laughs> the second match. Day one glow, the team of Jimmy Uso and Naomi taking <laughs> these on. names, dude. Why do they all need names? Because they're teams. Not only John do they have names. What's our team name? What's our team name? Post wrestling. Well, that doesn't make me smirk or or groan. Oh, I guess we need something better than come up with a name for us, please. A mixed match challenge name for John and I, everybody. Yeah, what would our team name be? Uh, Sorry, Team One Glow, Day One Glow. Oh, Day One Glow instead of Day, day One Glow. Yeah, that's Jimmy Uso and Naomi taking on the team of AJ Styles and Charlotte Flair, otherwise known as Phenomenal Flair. Phenomenal with an F, John. With uh, an F? Yes. Not only did H- they how's that even spelt? F E N O. Oh, Not only oh. do they have team names, John. They each have custom-made logos and T-shirts. Wow. Which I'm sure they're selling. So, um, Good for them. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, Jimmy Uso and Naomi are very fun together in their promos. Uh, in terms of chemistry, I mean, they're pretty perfect together as husband and wife. Charlotte, uh, after that severe beatdown to go off of uh, SmackDown Live, has to kind of make a, a, a real kind of a 180 here. Coming out here, they did replace still some of what just happened on SmackDown to like remind you, hey, she just went through this. Now she's going to yeah. mix match. AJ just had a war as well an hour ago. Yeah. So Charlotte comes out in the robe and like with a hood on it as well. So her he, her and AJ both come out and do their tandem uh, unhooding together. Kind of cute. I think the visual of the two of them together probably made a bit more sense a week ago when both were champion. That's my assumption about why they might have put these two together in one team. Uh, but after Sunday, it's just now AJ with the belt. So you have that. The match begins. AJ and Jimmy Uso engage in a woo-off, and AJ is just a really bad wooer, and he says that he has to stop because his throat hurts. There's a lot of verbal talking between the two teams uh, in all these matches. I mean, I mean, overall, I would say there's a great element of fun and comedy in these matches, and you can tell that when these guys enter, they're like having a lot of fun because there's no pressure in these matches. It's very much like a house show. They're, these just kind of feel like exhibitions on Facebook, and... I would say creatively, it feels like they all seem to be enjoying it. So AJ and Jimmy Uso start. And this is a pairing that I feel like I never get to see. You know, both guys that I think are very good. Um, Jimmy and AJ do that attempt to kick each other. And they both do their double foot holding spot that we've seen, I think, many places recently. But they did it again here. And this time, they simply negotiate to both release at the same time no shenanigans to come from this so it was there uh they shake hands and appear to be friendly but then as they both walk away neither wants to let go first and then they each start complaining about the other person squeezing the other other's hand too hard and they start taunting one another to tag out first like you tag out first no you tag out first so a lot of comedy here charlotte and naomi eventually come in charlotte gets the better of naomi and then charlotte twerks at Naomi 
Charlotte, the person who was just uh, severely beat down by her best friend, I, I guess uh, felt felt in a different mood here, twerking at Naomi um, and doing a pretty good job at it, I have to say. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, again, like a lot of the fun I think you would get of like a house show or almost just like, again, an exhibition match that it's a very different tone to how, what, how we just saw Charlotte on SmackDown. She had very good twerk, right? Yes, thank you. Charlotte and Naomi then themselves engage in that double leg holding spot, and they too negotiate an amicable break. They both engage in, in some unique unique offense using splits. These two actually ended up showing some pretty good chemistry together uh, through their athleticism. Charlotte retreats to the floor. Naomi goes to Pescado AJ, and AJ just simply catches her and doesn't fall down. Jimmy Uso runs around the ring and is upset that AJ has his hands on his wife. And this allows Charlotte to deliver a Pescado onto both Jimmy Uso and Naomi to the crowd's delight. Gets a This Is, this is Awesome chant. Um, this crowd, by the way, compared to 205 Live at least, it was entirely full uh, for this. And, you know, the star power, I think, being what it is, it's it's to be expected. Jimmy Uso at this point finds Natalia, Natalia's leftover cat ears in the corner and just decides to put them on. Naomi delivers a split-legged moonsault. Charlotte lands a moonsault of her own for two. And at this point, I hear my phone vibrate. And it's a call from John Pollock. <laughs> Probably thinking that I've either been sleeping or something. Uh, because um, I guess, John, you were unaware that we were uh, I didn't doing this. I didn't even remember about this show, much less that you were watching it. So I was sitting here at like 5 after 10 and just waiting here for 25 minutes for you. Well, my apologies. Sorry, sorry about the wait. I guess uh, we should have confirmed. No, uh, I should have been. I should have been aware that this show was on. So, it's my fault. So, unfortunately, I missed a portion of this match. But we. <laughs> sorry, it's all good. Eventually, everybody tags back in. Charlotte puts the figure four onto Jimmy Uso. Naomi goes off the top to splash onto Charlotte, and AJ saves her from the pinfall. Naomi delivers the rear view onto AJ. And then we get a big boot from Charlotte. Figure eight onto Naomi. Everybody just doing their finishers. And Phenomenal Flair gets the win over Day One Glow. A really good match. It was a lot of fun. You know, I felt both the matches were a lot of fun. It felt like last last time with the Mixed Match Challenge, they were experimenting with this concept and not really knowing what they were doing as far as putting the matches together or putting the teams together. This year, I think they realized what worked about the teams, what didn't, and they doubled down on what worked. More teams with good chemistry together, more comedy house show style matches, I really enjoyed this. I think it shows a different side of these performers that we don't usually see on TV. And the audience wasn't tired? This wasn't a 205 Live crowd? The, the audience was, like, very engaged for both well, of these That's telling. Yeah. That's very telling. I mean, the star power, I think, is, is the main thing. But I, the matches were actually good, too. Well, that's good. Sounds like it was a... Yeah, do you think that two, two matches is not too many? Didn't feel like it. Quite honestly, John, I thought these matches were may- way more fun than most of what I saw on SmackDown. Wow. Well, there you go. A thumbs up from Way on the Mixed Match Challenge Week 1. Do you, do you envision watching this each week? I'm in, I'm in it for the whole two months. Cool. All right. Well, let's go to the feedback now. We'll see if anyone uh, watched the Mixed Match Challenge. Tonight's poll, right? Tonight's episode of SmackDown on a scale of 0 to 10. I believe uh, Raw was a... Six point something on Monday, maybe a six point eight, something like that. So let's see if SmackDown topped it. Do you think it did? Yes. Seven point two three SmackDown wins. According to the post wrestling close, close though. Forum. 
Terry from Colorado writes, great show tonight. Love the closing angle with Becky and Charlotte. Becky plays an awesome, no fucks given heel or whatever she is now. Almas and AJ tore it down again. Do you think Almas losing to upper tier talent is hurting him or helping him? Also, John, have you started to watch Mayans MC yet? Uh, I don't think tonight's match hurt Almas in the least. I think that he's hanging with all these top guys. I thought it was a really competitive match. And I see him... I see him in a similar spot to Drew McIntyre on Raw, that they are, when they're ready, like he seems to be the next heel that they're really going to get behind on SmackDown. Yeah, I don't think it really hurts him either. I think, um, you know, it's a it's a great showcase for him um, to an audience. I think, though, ultimately what will decide, you know, his success is just, is, is more so the storylines that they give him. I think how well Zelina Vega connects with the audience with her promos. Um I feel like we've kind of really yet to see that focus put on him, so I can't even really say. But thus far, I wouldn't say what, what's what been happening to him has really hurt him at all. He's he's in a much better spot than Shinsuke Nakamura on yeah. SmackDown. Sure. Uh, I have not seen any of the Mayans yet, so I I don't know when I will, but I would like to see it. I don't know if I'll stick with it or not, but having watched Sons of Anarchy, I kind of want to see what they do with the spinoff. Brandon Still from Oshawa. I definitely haven't moved, but Baron Corbin did put me to sleep and pre- prevent me from leaving feedback last night. Okay, thanks oh, for the Oh, ba- Baron, the, he was part of the 11.4% that, uh, well, that was in the U.S., but yeah. nonetheless, Brandon Brandon was part of the, the third-hour demise. Brandon says, I thought tonight was a much better show. Becky Lynch is getting better and better in this role and is definitely the best run of her career. I enjoyed Aiden's attack, but I d- really don't see much for him after this feud with Rusev. Unfortunately for him, I think he'll slide back down the card. Mm-hmm. Almas and AJ was really good, but I hope they don't just keep feeding Almas to main eventers, only to lose. My favorite part of the night was the Randy Orton segment. Who do you guys see him, see him going after next? Yeah, we didn't talk about this. Is there? Does he have a match on the Super Showdown? He does not listed for the Super Showdown right. as of yet. Maybe he's not on that show. Uh, maybe Randy's not traveling. I hope it's not Nakamura. That seems like the guy that needs a program. But they're both heels. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. They kind of teased it with that three-way, but never really went that direction. Um, it has to be, I think, a fan favorite or like, I mean, Jeff Hardy, I think, was kind of like part of that whole uh, legend killer thing. But I guess he's not specifically going after legends. Um, oh, we'll see if this Miz program continues after Super Showdown, but it could be Daniel Bryan. Could you see it being R-Truth? I think the R-Truth thing is too comedic of a tone for this serious creepy Randy Orton thing. Maybe that's what makes it really um, good for the Orton character, that you're going to take this fun-loving character but I'm and also, torture, I'm torture also, him. I also don't think R-Truth is nearly as sympathetic as maybe somebody like a Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I just I see Bryan winning this match, and I think they're going to slot him into this title program yeah. coming out of it. I don't see Miz winning this match, uh, winning the feud at the end of this all. So, yeah, it's like it, SmackDown is not... Um, very heavy with baby faces. Like when you take Jeff Hardy out of the mix and I mean, maybe it could end up being AJ if he loses his title to Joe and he needs something out of the title mix. If you're going to, if you, if you suppose that Joe could win the title and then he spun off with Daniel Bryan for the survivor series that leaves AJ open for something. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Uh, do you want to read this war games review? He has. Sure. I was really looking forward to this show as War Games is one of my favorite matches and came away really disappointed by the booking. Uh, this is, of course, he's talking about MLW's War Games show. 
There were a couple cool spots in the match. I thought Jimmy Havoc giving people paper cuts was unique. I haven't seen him much, so I don't know what if that is a regular spot of his. The yes. giant chain submission across the two rings was really cool. My problem comes from the layout. Everybody knows the heels have a double-sided coin and never lose. It is basic booking of a War Games match. They got away with it from that by having the faces win. Then midway through the match, the heels got the advantage back by taking out Shane Strickland. I didn't really get that as this whole match was built around Strickland and Callahan, and Strickland didn't even get into the match. Then, despite being down one man, the faces still pick up the win. It made no sense and just totally reeked of thinking about it way too hard. Okay. I have not had a chance to watch uh, Fusion from last week, so I did not get to see the War Games match as of yet, but I'm glad that uh, we got feedback to it. Next one up here. How high on Vince's radar do you think Daniel Bryan is right now in winning the Royal Rumble in four months' time? Surely it's a no-brainer. Daniel will eventually be taken out of all this reality BS and have a run with the SmackDown title. Uh, winning the Royal Rumble? I, I don't see that as happening. I, I think it, it's possible. you know. And remember, the person re- winning the Royal Rumble isn't necessarily the person who will main event WrestleMania. If it is for, for the SmackDown belt, it could very well just be a mid-card thing. And to give people a you know a nice kind of redemption thing uh, for Daniel Bryan, um, it's possible. I would say they, it's they, possible. They would certainly play with I think uh, the fan the fan favoritism that he is going to receive in that match. Mm-hmm. Brendan from California. Well, it finally happened. Rusev Day is done. Unfortunately, I think the, they took the less interesting route. A heel Rusev against an aid in seeking forgiveness would have been the more interesting approach. In the end, I see both guys in a lower position. AJ and Almas are probably the two best wrestlers on this show, and I really want this feud to happen if AJ still has the title at TLC. And lastly, I love Becky in this episode. She's so great and possibly my favorite thing in the company right now. I'm happy WWE wants to do the Charlotte Rousey thing at Mania, so maybe we'll get a nice long run with Becky as champ. Tyler from Orlando. First off, I just want to state I am Team Brandon from Oshawa. You snooze, you lose, guys. I found this episode of SmackDown difficult to keep my attention. Maybe it's because I'm used to watching recordings without commercials. The Aiden English turn was pretty predictable, but I'm glad Rusev is going to be a singles guy again because SmackDown's tag division is loaded. AJ and Almas's match was my favorite thing of the night. It sucks to have Almas eat a pin, but I suppose it's better than not being on TV each week. Also, it's funny, AJ hardly wrestles on TV because they save him for the dark match, but on this night, he had two matches. He really is a workhorse on the, of the WWE, and I can't believe he hasn't been injured yet. Last note, this is random, but I saw Jack Gallagher at my job the other day, and he's one of the nicest wrestlers I've ever met. I was working at the Orlando airport as a wrestling fan, uh, and it has its benefits. Cool. Mark from Vaughn says, It still blows my mind to see Brian Nakamura, Joe Styles, Andrade, etc. on the same show. If only they could book stories with logical beginnings, middles, and ends. I love Becky being in the last segment considering she had what felt like the biggest win on Sunday. Question, do you think this will be an especially down period of the year for WWE as far as storyline progression? The next three shows over six weeks are sort of isolated into their own bubbles, and a lot of the announced matches are based on stories that have already started. New Japan tends to throw in a title change here or there on smaller shows, but I'm not holding my breath after the first Saudi show. Um, You know, in terms of, like, stories, I... I just think you're just getting a lot of shows all at once. If anything, like if you're talking about titles, I could see that being something where they're going to do more kind of rash title changes just to keep things fresh and stuff. But I would say on, on both shows right now, you have your good and your bad. And I think that tonight had, you know, there's a lot of interesting stories that they do have going on at the moment, especially on SmackDown. So I'm not particularly down on this current period that they've got coming up 
you're certainly going to see a number of rematches um, for Super Showdown and then for the for the Saudi Arabia show. Mm. But I mean, that can't. That's not always uh, uh, necessarily. That doesn't always necessarily mean that the storylines might not progress. You know, multiple matches can often mean multiple chapters in an ongoing storyline, and they can all be worthwhile. I think it just kind of depends on how it's treated. Yeah, and. You know, I think that the Australia card, it seems to be the end for a lot of these feuds that you've been seeing going on for several shows. And Australia seems to be the turning point for a lot of these programs where you're going to set people off in new stuff. Like you have the women all plugged into the Evolution show. The guys will be focused on the Saudi Arabia show. And it just seems like a lot of these feuds, like Styles and Joe, Miz and Brian, um, like those, those are just two, for instance, that seem to be like they're building up to the blow off in Australia. It also let's also remember that I think we have, you know, the the Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, uh and possibly Kane and Triple H now being in the mix for this period where and you know, I can kind of see those four guys or at least Shawn Michaels and 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 the Undertaker maybe anchoring kind of this whole month right. or, or if, if Sean's wrestling on that Saudi Arabia show like that will be a big deal to yeah. a lot of people to build up to that announcement and you know doing the whole comeback you know story that you, there's a lot of options there mm-hmm. and Sean will be really great I think in building that that up I agree do we have one more or are we done um up to you I think it's your turn oh I just read that one didn't I okay uh, last one here is Bill and Alex from Orlando. Well, there you have it. The definitive pronunciation of Melbourne by Tom Phillips. John was right after all. And he asks about doing a review of American Vandal 2. Yes, we said we would be doing that in the coming weeks. So there you go. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback. You can always leave it. Forum.postwrestling.com. That's it for us. If you have somehow not gotten enough, you can go check us out. On the uh, the mixed review challenge, it is called the double shot up at postwrestlingcafe.com. We're reviewing the CMLL anniversary show, the McFoley special on the WWE Network, and 10 pounds of gold. So all of that is coming your way. Thank you for listening, and we'll speak with you in a few minutes.